You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And yes, I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Philip Kang is our guest. He is a co-founder of Wandery Capital. Philip, welcome to the program. Hi, glad to be here. I'm excited to have you on the show and to talk about your entrepreneurial journey. So let's get started with your origin story. Let's go back in time and share with me and the audience the original inspiration or motivation that you had for working with your co-founders to start your company. Yeah, great. So I've been a uh, real estate professional for over 25 years. And mm -hmm. so I've been doing multifamily residential on an institutional level, on a large family office level for a long time. But uh, my DNA was that I was an entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. so for many years, I sort of wrestled and thought about how I can launch my own real estate platform. Uh, but it was important that I invest or I, th I, I launch a business that was niche, that not everybody was doing which had upside for my investors, uh, but also the, the safety net of normal real estate, such as it being collateralized and having distributions of some sort. And so right during COVID, this business idea with short-term rentals came about and it was a perfect fit. And that's when I had to take the jump. So when you first started talking with people about taking the jump, what was the, what was the response that you were getting from friends, family, others yeah so i think for if you've been working in this industry for a while a lot of success is based on planning and having contingency plans uh there is a positive to that because you gain a lot of skill set but one thing that i found that sort of hindered me was over exaggerating the risk meaning there are many entrepreneurs out there and they've all had to take the leap and for someone like myself that calculates risk and tried to make prudent investment, you sort of overthink it a little bit. Mm. And you ask yourself, what are the risks? What are really the risks? And in our minds, we have a tendency to exaggerate it and just jump straight to the worst case scenario. But many times that's not the case. And so I spoke with a, a number of uh, close circle friends who are entrepreneurs and they all said, I should have jumped sooner. Mm. Like that, that's what they thought. It wasn't as bad, as scary, like jumping that first leap is a little scary but when you're on the other side it's not that bad and all these disaster case scenarios that formulate in your brain a lot of it is very far from what reality is that's so interesting it um i'm wondering now that you've launched and you're in the market any pivots or adap adapting of the original vision for what you thought you were going to going to create any thing you want to share with us that were like aha moments, et cetera, as you were getting into the market and explaining your vision for your business to investors and to others? Yeah, great. So high level, I mean, I think it's important that we have our goals. Like what are our destinations? What is your investment thesis, right? I found it is more important or useful to have a playbook of how to launch this business than a micro roadmap which means all the left turns and right turns in this street and highways you think you're going to take many times is it's not going to be like that. Sometimes it's better than you think. Sometimes it's worse. But if you have a playbook of scenarios and plans and strategies that you can implement as roadblocks come your way, that'll really help you navigate 
towards towards your end goal. And none of us, we all think we can look into the future, but they're all intelligent guesses or wild guesses ultimately. Even numbers that you underwrite in the past, history doesn't always repeat itself. People like to use historicals. I do the same thing, but these are all playbooks, right? What play needs to be in effect for this scenario at this moment? And so like, that's, that's very important. What a great analogy as we're coming up on the big game on Sunday and the scripted plays versus responding and the second half adjustments. So yes, yeah, that's, this is very timely vision of having a playbook for your early stage business. So, so let's talk about Wandery Capital. I'd like you to help my audience to understand kind of your niche. Who, who are you helping? What problems are you solving? And how are you finding people responding to your vision for the business? Yeah, so let me answer that two ways. Uh, first of all, if you look at the real estate industry for the last 50 years, we see a pattern of new real estate asset classes e emerging. For example, even multifamily back in the 60s and 70s were owned by rich families or high net worth individuals. Uh, and only in 80s, 90s, and in the 2000s, it started to become really institutionalized, where it became one of Wall Street's darling investments. Uh, the one that really comes to mind is after the Great Recession, the rise of the single family rentals. Once upon a time ago, people said it is ineffective. Uh, it is not practical to own 2,000 single family rentals in a portfolio. Institutions would never be interested in that. But a couple of smart guys put that together and created a portfolio that was generating cash flow hand over fist for five years straight. And they put a bow on it and sold it to institutions. So for those in the real estate and finance market, they know that companies like Blackstone and Colony Capital and Starwood Capital paid billions of dollars for these portfolios. Mm -hmm. And so this is the power of pattern recognition. Uh, I've been in the industry for 25 years, so I've seen this pattern. And our investment thesis is that short-term rentals, better known as Airbnbs, will be that next real estate asset class. And so right now it's early beginning stages. And so people know it as one-off, sort of an alternative uh, real estate investment. Uh, and that is deliberate. It is early. Uh, and so what my partner and I are trying to do is be one of the first to create a portfolio of short-term rentals and one day sell it to an institution. And when that happens, you will see enormous amount of windfall for all early stage investors. And so just think a normal multifamily fund that generates X, short-term rentals generate two to sometimes three times more profit and cash flow. Really? And the windfall when you sell the whole uh, fund at the very end will be two to potentially three times more than what you would have invested in multifamily. And that's because we are alternative. Uh, the inspiration came during COVID when I, f I purchased one a luxury Airbnb on my own. It was very lucrative. Uh, for those real estate investors out there, it was like a north of a 30% cap rate. So I bought a second one. And then I put a business plan together and we raised our first fund, just friends and family based on my two Airbnbs. And we raised uh, over seven half million dollars. And with debt, we closed fund one with over almost $17 million. And so that's our fund one. And we are currently stabilizing and we've sent distributions out uh, uh, every quarter since last year. And right now my partner and I are launching our second fund. And so we are gonna expand uh, beyond the markets we're in, but also buy more deals and larger deals in the in the markets that we are uh, operating right now. So I love it when entrepreneur, early stage entrepreneurs, anybody really, but certainly it, it's applicable for early stage entrepreneurs where you have a focused niche. 
And so within the uh, vacation rental Airbnb space, is there a further niche that your funds and that you choose to uh, invest in purchase? Yes. Great question. So there are, since in the last two years, there's two or three, maybe four other players in this space. We are a niche, but we have a niche within the niche. <laughs> we focus on luxury rentals for large groups. And so we, we don't, uh, we don't target doors. Like some of our competitors say they have a hundred doors. Wow. Mm. We talk about rent roll, like our total revenue of what we can earn. For example, our typical deal size in our first fund is uh, all in maybe two to two and a half million dollars, right? And so while our competitors would buy 10 deals, we have one deal and we generate the same revenue, if not perhaps more. Um, we also focus on vacation travel destinations. We feel that those are uh, more lucrative and so that people are driving for a vacation experience. There's a destination and we're piggybacking off of that by providing highly amenitized, renovated and luxury experiences. Our amenities are amazing. We have, uh, we have $65,000 concrete crocodile slides. We put in new pools. We have pickleball courts. We have built-in uh, bunk beds, four queen bunk beds, custom made where we convert dining rooms to increase the bed count. We take three car garages and turn it into a full scale game room with mm. air hockey and ping pong table, pool table. And so what we try to do is create a highly amenitized uh, vacation house where if you chose to stay there, you never need to leave. But if you want to leave, you can. But if you come home, there's a lot of things for people to do. And again, we focus on luxury, larger size in that uh, what we found that there's been a behavioral shift where groups are starting to become nomadic in, in large numbers, right? And nowadays, hotels can't deliver what a group ex what groups really want is they want to share the moment and the experience with more than one people, multiple families or groups of friends. Uh, they want the privacy of their own bathroom and their bedrooms, but they want the social aspect of sharing a common area kitchen, dining room, game room, fire pit, pool, private so the public can't get in there but you and your group have that experience and so like that's what we've really focused on and it's really resonated our fund one has done very very well yeah as you're as you're describing your demographic i'm thinking of my wife and our family we have two adult children they're both married they each have their own kids and so we like to plan vacations where frankly you know mom and dad picks up the tab for the room the place but we've got them all under one roof and we get to spend extended time, you know, all day, evening, morning with the family to make memories. So I could see how your properties would be attractive for a demographic like mine and probably other groups that you're attracting. Yes. I mean, we've seen an explosion of group travel right out of COVID, but even mm -hmm. when the economy and all the other resorts opened up, the luxury Airbnb vacation homes have continued to do well. That's because there's a behavioral uh, shift in the consumer where uh, birthday parties, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, even weddings. Um, there's all these events that circle around larger groups and they want to be within their group only and not have to share these common areas. Right. And so the other thing is the uh, there's a very big aspirational impact to their vacation. Now, it's not just 
you know, getting a hotel at this place. Mm -hmm. It's they want to create memories. And so we right. put murals, Instagram walls. We do whatever we can to really maximize that vacation experience for, for large groups. Well, this is exciting, Philip. I love speaking with entrepreneurs here on Critical Mass Business Talk Show. Such a creative lot. <laughs> Problem solvers. It's awesome. I'm wondering, do you have a piece of business advice, maybe that a mentor gave you or something that you've learned through the School of Hard Knocks that you could share with our audience, pass it, pay it forward, pass it on? Well, we talked about the first uh, first part of this call is it's it's really strategic to have a playbook because you don't know what's going to happen in, instead of a, a distinct roadmap that tells you to make a left or right turn. Uh, I, I think Mike Tyson says everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same way. Like you have your investment thesis, you have your goals, and you have to continue to pivot. I'll give you a really good example. Uh, if Have you ever wondered why Airbnb is called Airbnb? The B and B, I understand, bed and breakfast, but most people don't realize that the air comes from air mattress. The original name was air mattress bed and breakfast. And the model was that people would lay out air mattresses in their living room, let strangers come in, sleep on their air mattress. You have breakfast together and it was a way to socialize and expand your network. A lot has changed, right? $30,000 angel investment in 2008 now is worth $80 billion. The name has also changed. It is now Airbnb, but the focus of what the original business plan was, the idea of renting someone's space has not changed, but everything else around it has changed, right? And you have to go with the market. I tell people the market is a living, breathing entity. It has its own personality. And when you try to put into a corner or in your own box, many times you'll fail. You have to be dynamic and flexible and move with the market. And so like, I would say you need to have conviction, right? You can't be all over the place and have five different investment these, you know, ideas and plans. Hold on to the main overarching business plan, but you need to be ready to move and, and be flexible. Yeah, that's what I like to ask for early stage companies about the pivots, because it's really, I think, a challenge for entrepreneurs to separate the signal from the noise in the early days. Because you, to your point, you can then ping pong around chasing shiny objects, or you can be so dogmatic about your vision that you miss a more lucrative market to the side of what you had planned. So that's, that's great advice. Let's the, talk about, uh, go ahead. No, the, the other advice is if, if you're a founder or if you're on top of the food chain and you're starting a new company, you are, you have this glorious title of founder, president, CEO, but you're also on the lowest totem pole as well. Because everything that needs to get done needs to get done. You <laughs> usually don't have a staff for that, so you have to do it. So, you know, get ready to get your hands dirty. Yeah, businesses take a lot of energy from the founder. Founder or founders. I mean, it's constant caring for that business in the early days. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could shift our focus a bit to artificial intelligence. Maybe you can give me a sense for your vision of how AI is disrupting or will disrupt the marketplace that you're in? And also, how is your business either planning to or already leveraging AI? Yeah, so I, I think uh, I'm in the camp that AI, it's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there's a lot more that could happen profoundly from a positive and negative end. Uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like since I'm not in the tech space, but I can tell you from personal experience, uh, an, an investment memorandum that would take me three hours to write edit and prepare, I can do that in four minutes now. Hmm. The actual content comes out in about 10 seconds. 
And the rest of the three minutes and change is me editing it specifically uh, for the investor. And that is the enormous amount of time that I've saved. And I can say, make it more legal or make it more playful or make it to this age group or that demographic. And, um, you know, that's something that can be easily tailored for us easily. Now, the negative is, and I don't quite understand how, how this works, but instead of, uh, of myself hiring someone to do it, I have this machine that does it. And I, there is going to be some impact to jobs out there. And specifically in my mind, I think about my kids who will go to college and need sort of that entry-level job to start their careers. A lot of the skill sets that they have, which is uh, more potential, very, you know, you, you come from the classroom, you have a lot of, you have a lot of skill sets, but there's no real world experience yet that may be taken away, such as programmers, analysts, and researchers, and, uh, you know, things that I actually leveraged when I first came out of college to find a job, right. those jobs may go away. So that is an interesting observation. And I think it's a well thought out risk that I'm glad you said it here on business on our business talk show people can think about that because I, I, I can align with what you're saying there, Philip. Thank you for sharing. Let's, all right, look to the future. Someday you'll be back on our business talk show. We'll be talking about the progress and trajectory. Where do you see the future? What's your vision for the company? Yeah, so we have an investment thesis that short-term rentals will become a real asset category and an asset class. And when that happens, there'll be you know, larger investors, institutions, family offices that will create buckets to invest in short-term rentals. And so right now, the normal food groups are multifamily, office, industrial, um, categories like that. Mm -hmm. There is no short-term rental bucket for larger institutions and family offices right now. And it is our conviction, and we feel that we're right, we're early on purpose, it will happen that there will be a bucket in a category for this. And so for ourselves, and this is what we've sold to our investors is you're investing in an early stage real estate fund with upside, with upside that is larger than your traditional real estate. And you get this, you get better distributions, you get the safety net, all the tax benefits and it's collateralized and all the, uh, uh, safety benefits of real estate, but you get the upside as well. And so in five to six years, it is it is our conviction that short-term rentals will be a recognized asset category. And with that will come benefits to anyone that's invested in a portfolio of this today. And so that's sort of where we stand. And, um, you know, more than anything, there is, uh, there is great satisfaction in looking at historical patterns and finding something that most people don't see and connecting those dots that are very, very far away. And right, for you right. to be right, there's a great level of fulfillment. And I feel like sometimes it's lucky and sometimes it takes 25 years of experience to, <laughs> to uh, see past this. And so, well, I'll be watching you and your firm to see when you hit that inflection point. But I am, I'm excited about the idea of what you're creating and you're doing it here out of Orange County, California, another innovation hub. So we're disrupting and creating here in the county. If someone would like to connect with you, learn more about the firm, where do you say they go, Philip? Yeah, so we have uh, multiple channels that you can reach out. We are raising our second fund right now. And so if there's investors out there 
we like to get more educated or looking for passive income in a high upside real estate investment, they can reach out to us directly at info at wanderycapital.com. So that's wander with a Y, wandery, info at wanderycapital.com. Or uh, if you have a LinkedIn account, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Philip with one L, Philip Kang, and my title will say uh, co-founder of Wandery Capital. And so they can ping me that way. They can email me. Uh, we, we hold multiple uh, panels and webinars with uh, interested investors and with actual investors as, as well. And so we, we really welcome people to, to reach out. Well, I told you at the top of the show, ladies and gentlemen, this was going to be a good show. And Philip, you did not disappoint. Thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Great. I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. If you're interested in being on the show because you too are an Orange County entrepreneur with a story to tell, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Coincidentally, that's our company's website, rickfranzi.com. Haley and I would be happy to speak with you about a future installment of the program and having you as a guest. And until the next time we all have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank <laughs> you.